0: Right, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, if you don't have a traditional Bible and you want to use one, just raise your hand and one of these beautiful people will bring you one. And You can either borrow that or you can keep it or you can take your smart device and open up the you version or the Bible app and all the notes and the scriptures have already been uploaded. If you're watching us live online or at one of our services at the Brown County Correctional Facility Love you guys. So glad that you guys are a part of our family and super glad that you guys on this beautiful day are part of our family. So give yourselves a huge hand today, would (laughs) you? So we started this little kind of, I guess I would call it like a mini series last week where we're looking at this really, really beautiful letter. That's written by this guy named Paul. Some people call him the apostle. Some people call him a saint. But whoever he is to you, he wrote this really interesting, engaging letter to a group of his friends in a city called Corinth. And Corinth was a bridge of really significant strategic lands surrounded by the sea, situated halfway between Athens and Sparta. I don't know if you've ever heard of Sparta, but there was a movie. They designed the men after me. And uh, they got, you know, it's just Gerard Butler. I was his body double. No big deal. But anyway, it was inhabited, not Sparta, but Corinth by a group of people who were actually a lot like us. They were busy and burdened, sometimes striving, sometimes just surviving. And there were people who were looking for significance, looking for success in their businesses and in their families, with their health and with their finances. And in those efforts, they tried a lot of different things. They put their trust in a lot of different things, in their talents, in their intelligence, in politics, in the economy. There are people who were really educated and innovative, but for whatever reason, they still couldn't find contentment. And so because they couldn't find contentment, they're hanging their lives on all sorts of different things. And all of those things had a really difficult time holding. Maybe they were able to hold underneath a little bit of weight. Maybe they were able to hold for a little while. But when life happened, like when the, when the weight of life happened. Any, anybody know what I'm talking about when I say when the weight of life happened? You ever felt like, like the, the weight of life is just overwhelming. There are some things that will hold lightweight, but they won't hold the weight of life. When your son tells you he's an addict, or your teenage daughter tells you that she's pregnant, when your boss tells you he's making cutbacks, or when their doctor tells you that it's inoperable, suddenly you feel the weight of life. And suddenly in that moment, you realize that the hooks that you've been hanging stuff on, those hooks actually aren't load-bearing. And so this guy, Paul, writes this beautiful letter to these beautiful people who were somewhat significant. They were, they were somewhat successful. And he tells them, in the end, there are only three hooks that are load-bearing. There are only three hooks when the weight of life hits are going to hold the load. And so today, as Pastor Sonny said, I want to talk about the second hook, hope. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you that you're a God of hope. That God, thank you that this book that you delivered to us, it is filled with hope. So God, thank you that our lives can be filled with hope. God, thank you that the three load-bearing hooks are available to all of us. God, I pray today that you would fill us with hope, fill us with life, so that when we leave this place, we'll be less like us and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So when you start talking about something like hope, you do a lot of introspection. I think it's interesting the things that we put our hope in. Friends or family A fitness plan or a financial planner, our pension or a politician, we think like, if I could just lose this weight, if I could just find the right person, everything would change. If I could just, if we could just elect this person or eliminate that person, everything would shift. If I could just save enough money, if I could just get out of debt, everything would be secure. And I think it's so interesting the things that we determine that we're going to put our hope in. We take our dreams and our direction, our aspirations and our ambitions. We take our entire lives and we hang them on things that are temporary. Frail and flawed, flimsy and fleeting that are like a mist here today but gone tomorrow. And so this guy Paul tells his friends, there are some things though that are not flimsy, that are not frail there are some things that actually are firm there are some things that will hold the weight of life that will hold the load three of them faith hope and love, I love how one version words it and, and like he's just listed, uh, we don't have time to go back and talk about the things that he's listed, but he's just listed this, this whole litany of things that are fleeting, that are flimsy, that are frail, that, that will be here today but gone tomorrow. And then he comes back and he says, watch this, and now abideth faith, hope, and love. I love that word abide If That word abide if actually means to stay. He's telling these people, and obviously you and I, that there are some things that will stay put. I'm not that old. Now, our family had an outing this week. I surprised Pastor Sonny. And I, I had a date with Pastor Sunny. And I told her it was a surprise. I was I'm going to tell you what it is. I need you to meet me at two o'clock. And then we changed it to 2.15 because she had a thing going on and I, I was kind of running late. And so, you know, even when you've been married a long time, sometimes your dates are fluid. And so I said, it was like, 2.15, I want you to meet me at the church. you she had her hair dead, nails was ready, everything's ready to come. And so the date was dodgeball. We played dodgeball right there in the gym. And I brought her clothes and the whole thing. And we had, I had shirts made, Team Sean, Team Sonny, and Isaiah. My son was there and he had a friend. And so they were on Pastor Sonny's team. And then my daughter, Aubrey, and she had a friend and, and they were on my team. And so while I planned, we would play dodgeball from like two to four. So about uh, three o'clock rolls around, and (laughs) we're just like, what is happening? Like, we're just done. And so uh, for for two days after, uh, I have struggled and suffered from that decision. I thought, man, when did I get old oh, like i uh, I didn't know so here's the thing i've discovered I am the oldest that i've ever been, and so i'm not I'm not like that old but here's what I have discovered that, like as you get uh, seasoned we would call it as you as you get experienced as your as your resume gets a little longer, you discover that there are some things that you thought were going to stay put that don't stay put and Paul says when you're building your faith, your family, when you're building your future, make sense you build it on things that have staying power. Look how the Aramaic Bible said it. It said, for there are three things that endure. I love that word. There are three things that will endure. Faith, hope, and love. I actually think my favorite way that it's, that it's uh, written is in the New Living Translation. It says, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And so in a disposable world, there are three things that will last forever, he's saying. Faith, hope, and love. And last week we talked about faith, and I shared a scripture from Hebrews chapter 11. It's kind of like the faith hall of fame, and it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith looks at your past and leans on your present, Hope, however, looks at your potential hope sees a possibility. Hope is your future tense, what could be. Faith has a present reality, but hope has a future reality. Hope says today may be tough, but I believe that through the grace of God, tomorrow is going to be better. Hope says tomorrow will be better than today. And some of you need to start to live your life in hope. You need to realize that even though you were diagnosed on Friday, tomorrow will be better. That even though somebody came to you with bad news yesterday, tomorrow will be better. Better. Hope has a future tense. Or in the words, there's, a, there's a, one of my favorite, I guess I, 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 guess I would call her uh, a philosopher, but probably more than anything, she really is a great peddler of hope. You probably know her by the name of Anne of New York. She said, just know that the sun will come out tomorrow. You better bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow <laughs> there'll be sun. That's a theater dad right there. That's all I'm saying. That's theater dad. That's, that's a joke, people. Can you get with me here? I know that it's the early service. Hashtag theater dad. Seriously, though, hope says you might lose your job or lose the love of your life. You may lose your health or the case. You, you may lose friends or followers, but when it all boils down to it, please don't lose Faith. You can be broke or abandoned, sick or hurt, disappointed or depressed, but as long as you have Jesus, you have hope for tomorrow. It's easy to talk about, but it's not easy uh, to live, is it? I mean, at least maybe it is for you, but, but it isn't for me. Uh, I wrestle with hope. I, I wish I didn't, but sometimes I do. Sometimes the view of my past is so big that it clouds today and covers tomorrow. Uh, I've discovered life is often clouded and covered by this symbol. Now, my my seventh grade art teacher, Mr. Irwin, he he would be very excited about the fact that uh, he was the original Rocket Man. Rocket Man. This, This is a brand new marker too. Life is often clouded by this symbol. I I don't think that it is accidental or coincidental that the first interaction with man or temptation of man was presented to man in the form of a question. That, That their lives of our original parents, Adam and Eve, that their lives suddenly out of nowhere in the midst of paradise, suddenly their lives were covered by and clouded by this symbol. That the enemy comes and he says these words, did God really say, and and he covers their lives, He, he shrouds their lives with this symbol. But it wasn't just them. He tries to cover and cloud our lives with this symbol too. He, he says he says this, will you really ever be healed? Why, why, would, why would you go forward and why would you talk to those people? Why, why would those people who are lined up at the front and, and lined up on the back of a building that you just wandered into, why, why would they matter? Will, will you ever really be healed? Uh, uh, will your son ever really be free? Will, will your marriage ever really strive? Will you ever actually get out of debt? Uh, uh, it, 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 is, is your relationship with God really that strong? Is God really listening? Is, is God really there? Is, is the Bible really true? Is, is that book that you've based your life on, is that something that really is without error? You know that that book was just, was just written by, by people, right? Are, are you really forgiven? Do, do you really think that God Has forgotten about your past? Do you really think that that thing that that person did to you is really gone forever? Do you really think that that thing that that you did to that person, is it really gone forever? And your whole life is covered in and shrouded by questions. But hope comes along. This is old school right here. Hope comes along and it has get off there. Come on, Mr. Irwin. Hope comes along. I wanted to do this with spray paint, but hope comes along and it draws a different symbol. And that symbol says he is the God Who heals me? He will never leave me or forsake me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I am the head and not the tail. I am the first and not the last. He is for me and not against me. Greater is He. Do you understand what I'm saying? Life comes along and hope gives you a whole nother. Punctuation. It says my kids do belong to the Lord. My marriage really is that strong. My finances really will be resurrected. The past really has been forgotten and hope comes along with a different punctuation. Exclamation mark says may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may be overflowing with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you overflowing with hope? If you're not, you're looking at the wrong symbol. It says we have hope as an anchor for our lives. Hope, not a question mark, an exclamation point, period. But how do we instill it? How do we install it? How do we get hope? And so today, I wanna give you four steps to hope, okay? Here's the first, the first step to hope is hold on to God's word. This book, you know, the, the Bible, this book that we pass out and hand out and the book that now some of you own digitally and you, so, some of you read it, some of you don't. Some of you, you own them. Like lots of people own them. We, we had Bibles in my house. I remember, like, like for some of us who remember the Bible as a great decorating tool. You know what I'm talking about? You, it was the anchor in your living room. At least if you ever had a grandma. Like there, there, is, there is two things grandmas had. A room you can't go in with furniture covered in plastic, don't know where they got the plastic, don't know if the furniture used to come in plastic, but there's a room you couldn't go in and there was a humongous Bible and I say that it had a life-size picture of Jesus on it. You know what I'm talking about? It's, it's an immovable Bible. If they sold their house, that's the two things that have to stay with the house, the hot tub and that giant Bible because no man could ever move it. Hold on to this thing. The enemy wants you to think this book is filled with hurdles. This book is actually filled with hope. The enemy wants you to think that this thing is filled with everything you can't do. But this book is actually filled with everything that you can do. It's filled with everything that you can become. It says you are loved. That's hopeful. It says you are valued in a world that tells you you're worthless. In a world that tells you you're small. This book says you are priceless. It says that you are victorious in a culture that tells you you'll never win, in a culture that tells you you'll never overcome. This book says you are an overcomer. It says you are more, and that doesn't just say you're a conqueror. This book says you are more than a conqueror, and those are not ended with question marks they are ended with exclamation marks it is not covered it is not cloudy it is not confusing this book is a is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path and so if you want hope you have to take this thing this this is not like temporary. This is not for show. This is not for decoration. This is not something that you pull out on a Sunday like your church shoes. This is something that you study, that you stand on, that you hold on to. Hold on to what God's word has to say over your life. Hope. Here's the second step to hope is operate in optimism optimism. Like the enemy wants us to live in a world of pessimism. Like, like there's so much bad news, isn't there? Why is there so much bad news? Why suddenly is the world going to explode? You ever feel like everything's coming to an end? There's not enough clean water. There's not enough clean air. I know there's definitely not enough clean teenage boys. But there are some things that are just like the the world has been going forever. And I get it. There are things that are important. There are matters that are important. But the enemy wants us to focus on these things like too many plastic bottles or not enough owls or whatever that may be. It's whatever the thing is that is going to push your button. You understand that? Every person has a button that can be pushed. For some people, it's eating organic. For other people, it's saving certain animals. For some people, it's never littering. For other people, it's having zero debt. Like whatever it is, there's some button that the enemy can come along and he can push to make you panic. There's a button that he can push to make you live your life like Chicken Little. Running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Fearing... That the sky is falling. But I want, why are we running around in fear? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And some of us have become so fearful about certain things that we've become uh, abusive to certain people. And we don't like these people or we don't like those people or we don't associate with these people because they're destroying this for us or they're ruining that for us. And rather than focusing on ourselves, the enemy has caused us to focus on everyone else. But God said, fear not. I'm with you. He said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is greater. And so I'm going to act like it. I'm going to live my life in optimism. I'm going to live my life like there is actually hope. You know, every day you have a choice whether to live your life hopeful or hopeless. Which are you going to do? I love that word optimistic it's a it's a great I'm a word guy if you know me you know that I'm a word guy I've actually done a couple of different message series just on words and on their meaning and I love this word optimistic it means confident about the future I'm confident about the future I understand that there are problems hope doesn't deny that there will be times of turmoil or seasons of struggle But I choose to stand on the fact. I choose to believe that no matter what those times are, that God will be there in those times. That God has me and he's got you. That God is good. That God is faithful. And that tomorrow will be better than today. And so I am going to operate in optimism. Here's a third step to hope is pursue purity pursue purity. Now, purity is not popular. P- purity is purity. We, we, we don't like to talk about living your life inside constraints. Purity requires, incidentally, that you live your life inside constraints. And we don't like to talk about living inside of constraints because, because naturally, Most people are rebellious. Naturally, most people want to make their own rules. Naturally, most people are just grown-up toddlers who have a little bit of money and keys to a car but have still determined that they are going to throw a temper tantrum in the middle of a grocery store. And we don't do it by laying down on the ground and smacking our hands and kicking our feet, but we do it by being rude, and we do it by being arrogant. And I just cannot live my life in that shroud Of impurity. God has called us to be pure, to be pure people, to be clean, not just sexually, yes, sexually, not just sexually, but also socially. When is the last time you met somebody who is socially pure? Don't they like stand out? I have a friend named Bob. He's totally socially pure and he stands out. Like the people who follow him on Instagram is stunning to me. And he's nothing more than just, he's just pure. He's pure of heart. He's he's pure of spirit. And purity and hope go hand in hand. And purity and hope go hand in hand because purity leaves no room for regret. Nobody has ever gotten to the end of their life and said, I wish I'd been less pure with my life. I, I wish I had had a dirtier mouth. Or, you know, I wish that I had had a dirtier mind. I wish I had lusted more. I mean, I'm about to die. I've left a lot of lust on the line out there. Like, there's a lot of women I could have had impure thoughts about. I wish I would have told uh, more foul jokes to my co-workers. Or, or, you know, Grandpa, what is the one thing that you regret in life? I wish I would have inappropriately looked at more people in my life. Like, nobody says that. Nobody thinks that because pursuers of purity are too busy running to purity to be running from shame or regret. And so St. Paul said, put to death, therefore, all the components of your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed. Greed is idolatry. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. They're going to see God, to which Jesus' disciple, John, said, and everyone who has this hope in Jesus, watch this, purifies himself, purifies himself. If you're waiting for someone else to purify you, you're going to be waiting forever. Purity puts its foot down and says, sin will not win. And there are some of you in this room who need to grow some courage, Who need to put their foot down and say, I am going to stop sinning. Someone who cannot stop sinning is someone who refuses to live in strength. You are stronger than the sin that is consuming your life. Who's going to say, I am not what I did. I am not the struggles that I've had. I am not the mistakes that I've made. Because hope says, if you confess your sins, Jesus, he's faithful And he's just, and he will forgive you your sins, and he will purify you from unrighteousness. Now, unrighteousness is kind of a big churchy word, but really, being righteous just means being in right standing with God. So if you are unrighteous... You aren't in right standing with God. So, if you're throwing looks at people at the workplace of whether that be anger or whether that be jealousy or whether that be lust, if you're entertaining conversations with someone of the opposite sex, whether that's live or whether that's online, you need to understand that you are not in right standing with God. You are unjust. But understand failure is never final. So if you want hope, pursue purity today. Here's the fourth step uh, to hope. It's just one word. Endure. Endure. Life's not easy. Has anyone woken up today and realized that life isn't easy? And you know why life isn't easy? Because there are other people on earth. If you were just alone, life would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? But we live our lives blaming other people for the, for, for the shame or for the sin or for the sorrow in our lives. And you say, well, if that person would just or if that person just wouldn't or if that person had or if that person, if my dad had just been there or if my dad just hadn't been there. But I am going to endure. L- life is too important for me not to endure life is too important for you not to endure your marriage is too important for you not to endure and i don't know why but today i woke up with this sense that there are people who are in this room right now who are you're like ready to walk away from your marriage but can i tell you something like years ago some of you had an afro and bell bottoms and platform shoes and you stood at an altar and you said for better or for worse, in richness and in poor, till death do us part. And now she nags, or he gained weight, or whatever may have happened. And I understand that for some of you, you think that there are extenuating circumstances, but can I tell you that it is time for the church of Jesus Christ to stop giving up on things, to start having courage, to start having boldness, to start having life, to, to stand secure on something, to, to endure, to remain steadfast. Like, I am going to protect my future, and I am going to protect my future by protecting my faith. The Apostle Paul said the time's coming when people aren't going to endure sound teaching, but instead they're going to have itchy ears. They're going to to accumulate for themselves Mm, teachers who suit their, their own passions. They're, they're going to accumulate people who, who, uh, who give talks, or they're, they're going to accumulate people who give speeches. They're, they're going to turn away from listening to the truth, even though the truth sets us free, and they're going to wander off into, into myths. But as for you, be sober minded, endure suffering. Can I tell you that sometimes being in the will of God is to endure? Suffering. I would rather endure suffering for being pure than not endure suffering for being impure. I, I would rather endure suffering for doing the hard thing than not endure suffering for doing the easy thing. He says, As for you, always be sober minded, endure suffering, do the work of the evangelist. That means tell people about Jesus. I just told our friends on staff here, I said, I want to double down on the soul winning thing here. Like, I, I, I want us to become like desperate again. Like, you know, when you start something, That's a business or it's a church, you're desperate for it. You'll do anything to see that thing grow, to see that thing succeed. And can I say I I, like I want to be the anti-comfort guy? I want to be a guy who like ruffles people's feathers and shakes people's bushes and says, you know what? I would rather you go to heaven and dislike me than go the opposite way and think I was a really good guy. He said, For I'm already being poured out. The time of my departure has come. Now watch this. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Uh, We just came back from a month-long sabbatical and and one of the things that we did, which was so dope, is we went to Greece. And and while we were there, uh, we went to some of the places that this guy, Paul, who's really every Jesus guy's hero, incidentally, but we went to some of the places uh, that that the apostle Paul went. And uh, we got to go to the site uh, of the first Olympics. It was Olympia. And and when we took our tour of Olympia, we saw and learned some really interesting things. Like we saw the practice fields where all the athletes warmed up, that was super cool. Uh, We saw the platforms where the original winners uh, had statues that stood like every Olympiad, the winners had their images Uh, Engraved in bronze and then put on display near the event that they won and then their statues They would stay in that place until the next Olympiad and that four years later Uh, Like we saw the original torch, which was so dope. It was lit by the Sun y'all. That's crazy Like the technology of that uh, was incredible. I half the time. I can't light a fire with a match And so I don't know how they did it and it's fascinating. Anyway, uh, look it up. It's amazing Uh, we our guide took us to the original track which is so cool. It's incidentally it's 193 meters. Uh it's very random, but they originally wanted it to be 100 meters. Uh but uh, our guide said they they either measured it by 100 steps of Hercules, which I didn't even know Hercules was real, thought he was a cartoon, or it was the distance that Hercules could run on a single breath. Either way it was pretty far, about 600 feet. Of course, my son Isaiah, being a teenage boy, he wanted to race. And uh so we did. He won. But to be clear, he totally cheated, which uh, I didn't know we were racing, is my point. Anyway, it brings me back uh, to the most interesting thing that we learned, okay? Lining the road leading into the city were these series of pedestals. And our guide told us that those pedestals used to hold statues of Zeus called Zanes. And those Zanes had plaques engraved with the names of the athletes who had broken the rules, the cheaters, And unlike the winners who were celebrated for four years with their statue, these cheaters were immortalized forever. And not only did they have their names engraved on these plaques forever, they were never allowed to participate in an Olympics again. Neither were their sons and neither were their sons' sons. In fact, no athlete from their city was allowed to compete in the next Olympics. And I heard that and to me it was a reminder of the force of the damage, the ripple effect that occurs when we don't endure. When we quit. Some of you don't have a good marriage because your dad quit. You're not a good parent because your parent quit. Some of you are an addict because your grandmama was an addict and you have leaned on that crutch your whole life. That series of pedestals is a reminder of the force of cutting corners of compromising, of what happens when we try to hang the weight of our life on the wrong hooks, when we allow our lives to be clouded and covered by the wrong symbol, when we don't fight the good fight, when we don't finish the race, when we don't keep the faith. I wonder how many of you, that's you today, that the consequences of your actions have impacted the direction of your life. If that's you, you are not hopeless. You can be hopeful because there's still hope. But there is only hope if you'll hang your life on the hook of Jesus. Did you close your eyes all across this place? The hook of Jesus. You can call it a lot of different things, but at its core, we call it salvation. Salvation is this recognition that we are wrong because we are wrong, we need to be changed. But to be changed, we need to be forgiven. But to be forgiven, we need to acknowledge that we are in sin. So today, I'm going to give you opportunity to acknowledge that you are in sin, to change, and to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Which again, is kind of a churchy thing to say, but all that means, when you say that He's your Lord, it means He's in charge. When you say that He's your Savior, it means that He is the one who rescued you. So if you need to be rescued and give up the charge and control of your life, I'm going to give you opportunity to do that. This morning, we're going to do two things. With nobody looking around, in just a moment, I'm going to ask for people who need to surrender their life to Jesus to raise their hand, make eye contact with me. Once you make eye contact with me, you can put your hand down. And then I'm going to ask every person in here to repeat the same prayer after me. Okay? If you're here and you say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus, would you just raise your hand and make eye contact with me? Thanks. 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 Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks, 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 thanks. I'm gonna ask everybody in here to say these words, after me say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Please forgive me, change me, come into my life, make me new, make me different in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, would you do us a favor? Take that card that says hello. It's either in your seat back or it's underneath your chair. Tear that off. Fill out whatever information you are okay with us having. Check the box that's highlighted in yellow. It says, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. If you're online, would you send a message to our online pastors that you want to receive Jesus or that you just did? We want the opportunity to follow up with you. Would you close your eyes again? Uh, Don't leave. Uh, because we're not done, Pastor Sonny's going to close us out here in just a second. I wonder if you're here and you would say, Sean, um, my life is covered with the wrong symbol. You've been living your life covered by question marks rather than living your life covered by the exclamation mark that God is able. So if you're here, if you're discouraged and you are hopeless, would you raise your hand right now so that I could pray for you? Thanks. Thank you so many people. God, we love you. Thank you for my friends who are in this place. I pray that you'd bless them. Pray that you'd give them hope. In Jesus' name, amen.